0: In this episode, we have a great conversation with a medical doctor on how God has seen him through great suffering, the primary role his father played in his development as a Catholic man, and how his married life with six children is filled with daily opportunities to surrender to God's will and become a better man for others. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. I am John Heinen, the host for today. If you haven't seen or listened to The Catholic Gentleman before, please click those subscribe buttons on Apple or on YouTube. If you've seen us and listened to us many times, if you like the memes and the blogs that we do, please consider donating. I want to thank all of our donors right now that make this exact podcast possible. So thank you so very much for making this possible. If you are not donating, and I know we're going through recession, so I'm not talking about $25, $50 a month, but if you've got $5 a month that you want to give to the Catholic Gentleman, please head over to patreon.com slash Catholic Gentleman and discern there. And if nothing else, please keep us in your prayers. So today, I'm very blessed to be joined by, um, I guess, a friend and uh, an acquaintance over the last uh, six, seven months of my life, uh, Dr. Jeff LaCour. So Dr. Jeff is a board certified otolaryngologist say that 10 times fast uh which is ear nose and throat he studied at lsu medical school in new orleans and unc chapel hill that's university of north carolina there in chapel hill he then completed a year-long um otology fellowship in pittsburgh followed by a year-long rhinology fellowship in savannah georgia he's been practicing in hammond louisiana for 10 years for the listeners of the show unbeknownst to me and sam prior to that episode um we learned that Jeff actually goes to the same parish as Sam Blair, the Navy SEAL that we had on our episode a few months ago, or on a show a few months ago. So uh, definitely check that out if you haven't heard it. So Jeff is an incredible man. I'm so blessed for him to be here. He's married with six kids. Jeff, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, so uh, it's been a blessing. I've enjoyed our conversations for other reasons, and I'm really grateful to hear your uh Catholic masculinity and how it's you know grown and how the struggles that you've had. So if you wouldn't mind, let's start from the beginning. Our listeners like to know, were you raised Catholic? Um, were you a uh, convert? Whereabouts were you? Did you fall off the wagon and jump back on? I'd love to hear all that.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. So yeah, so I was raised Catholic and um had great parents um they were definitely kind of old school you know like not not my dad was definitely not touchy-feely you know it was kind of there was four boys and it was like kind of get in line and it was kind of like you know get through the utility belt and we were all raised the same way but it was what one beautiful thing is that my parents um were daily mass goers Mm. and so um you know they didn't talk about the faith much but their example spoke volumes um you know like i would see my dad kneeling by his bedside every night and literally every day he he worked in downtown new orleans every day he was at he was at mass my mom the same thing and so um so that was beautiful i um i went to a jesuit high school and um and encountered you know the love of god for the first time my senior year in high school there was an awesome priest um there father nick skiro who has since passed away and um, it was a prayer class where there was twenty-seven men, you know, seniors in high school, young men, and um, and we would go on like little retreats, like nine people at a time, and um, talk about like we would pray over each other, and and sincerely, that was the first time I had ever ever experienced the love of God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Lord, are you calling me to be a priest? Or are you, you know, it was like, it was so overwhelming. I was like, and it was, it was and the relationships that were formed with those gentlemen, um, was gold. It was gold. And so it was like, you know, it, that was, that was a huge point in my life. Um, went off to college. Um, like most of us that don't go to Steubenville or university of Dallas, I regret. <laughs> um, and, um, and, um, and then, uh, and then, um, long story short, I ended up um, I ended up actually taking off a year after college, um, teaching at Jesuit in New Orleans, and um, but really wasn't on. I would say I really wasn't on solid ground. Um, I loved it, had a ball. Um, and then, uh, and then we. Uh, long story short, we after that I started medical school. Um, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, led mm. me to University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, which is where I went to college. So that was actually a big gift. Um, and so we went back there my buddy and I, uh, they had a spot available for residency. So I went back there and the reason I, 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 I talk about UNC is it's, it's pretty cool because UNC is pretty, um, you know, I wouldn't call it the most Catholic place, right? I remember it was like maybe 2% in college. Okay. And, um, and, but it was, I was, I was on, um, I was, I was rotating through I was a fourth year resident, ENT is a five-year residency. I was a fourth year resident. and this girl, um, I saw her praying her rosary in the clinic hallway, right And I'm just sitting there. and she was a solid, solid person. and um, I started talking to her and I said, um, you know what uh, you know you know tell me about yourself you know and she's and she's like, well, you need to go to Raleigh. you need to go to Raleigh and, and Raleigh, there's a church called St Joseph's. And um, and ironically, I was rotating there the next month in Raleigh, where we actually lived there. And I went there, John, and I was like, oh, wow, this was my first encounter with authentic Catholicism. Like I was like blown away. It was there was a there was a Monsignor there, Monsignor John. And um, and ironically enough, Sam's wife. OK, Lauren, this was her pastor and her hometown. And there's so many connections to this church. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, he is he is so many conversions have come about because of this man and, and this gentleman. And um, and so and so I started going there and I would go to confession there and he would you would be in the confessional and he'd be like, now, when you get out of here, let the shame go. I want you to kneel up straight. Remember you are a warrior for God. And I was like, Whoa, like, this is incredible. The kids, like the kids would run through, it was like an old assembly hall. It wasn't a fancy church at all. The kids would run through. And when they, when they would pass in front of the blessed sacrament, they would get on their knees and then keep running. It was wow. like, this is so cool. And, um and so, so Wednesdays they had novenas. So, and it was about a 40 minute trip from chapel Hill, but my um my, fiance at the time who had moved to chapel hill i don't know if she was my fiancée, maybe she was my girlfriend she got an apartment in chapel hill we would go there every wednesday um and sunday and he actually ended up preparing us for marriage and so um so it was beautiful it was like oh wow because i was kind of i was kind of the person i was like well maybe i'm supposed to still be a priest you know all these things and then yeah. it was really kind of cool because it was like Oh, wow. I don't even really know Catholicism that well, you know, like my ego kind of like, it was kind of like, Hey buddy, no, actually, you really don't get it. And so, um, and so it was, it was such a gift to kind of, to kind of experience it. Um, and um, not that I, you know, I was grateful for everything prior to that, but it was really, it was a like multi-racial, it was like pe- the the African women wore their African garb. Um, it was just lots of, lots of people from Duke divinity came there and became Catholic Um, It was just it was beautiful. So so that's kind of my brief Catholicism story. And then fast forward, um, fast forward uh, in proposing to my wife and getting married, then um, learning the T.O.B., the theology of the body um, and um, through several fellowships. um, And anyway, several several medical fellowships and just kind of searching out adoration as well. um, That became very important to me. And, um, and it's, I would just say my faith is, but it continues to be a gift. Like, um, I mean, like, seriously, like, I I feel like, I feel like I'm still a neophyte. Um, I'm almost 46. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm still a neophyte. Like, um, like the Eucharist is becoming more and more precious to me. Um, I'm realizing how much I don't know and how, how ridiculous I can be. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, so um, there's not, I'm not, you know, and so, um, so yeah, but I would say it's, it's just been such a gift. Um, I've been able to, to um, surround myself with incredible friends um, that uh, in the Covington area, um, Sam being one of them. And, uh, and it's, and it's just been it's just I'm I'm just kind of blown away by it. Now we're just trying to convey that to our kids, the oldest of which is 13, who yeah. doesn't quite get it. Yeah, <laughs> but bad. she will. She will. So yeah. So that's kind of a well, that's,
0: version. Yeah, that's terrific. I'm so grateful, and I want to just talk about your father real quick here because it's something that comes up very frequently, right? That um, all the way back uh, to Devin Shaw's episode on on raising, you know, Catholic kids or um, Christian fatherhood. And, uh, and how it's different from the world is that we are called to be fathers here on earth as our father in heaven and it sounds like you had just a prime example of that with your dad and so i just want to call out a couple of things and 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 have you maybe talk a little bit more about your relationship with your father um i don't know if is he still with us is no thanks for yeah. it. no
1: it's he actually he oh. passed away um he passed away this past april um mm. his last year was beautiful like he he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and um my family tends to handle adversity with humor. I've got three older brothers. Okay. And um, and so literally I get home, I go home to take him for his biopsy and I see like little post-it notes around the house with like Jeff's my name on things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mom, what is this all about? They're like, Oh, your brothers thought it would be funny to like start divvying up that stuff. I'm like, You guys <laughs> <laughs> like very dark humor, right? And so, mm-hmm. and so like um, and and so I I'll, I'll share this with you. It was It was beautiful. Like my dad was never one to really like to like, again, like he wasn't a touchy feely guy, um, you know, but uh, he was always my first go to when I had good news or bad news, like Mm -hmm. always my first go to my wife after I got married for sure. But my dad was always that phone call. And that's what I missed the most. So he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And and the the last year we would kind of I mean, we were together as a family almost every week. Um, It was beautiful. And um, I'll share this. I mean, our relationship was, it was still kind of, it's still, it would never really got touchy feeling. And one thing I, one thing I'll point out is that I think I wanted my dad to kind of like, get it, like get Hmm. me, you know what I mean? And I kind of realized, you know what, that's, that's not his that's not for me to worry about. You know what I mean? Like he gave me what he gave me, which was beautiful, and yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted him to kind of like even go a little bit deeper, and and I realized, you know what? That's that's my deal, and so I just started appreciating him and loving him for who he was and what he had to give me, and um, in the last year, John, it was it was incredible. Like we got to um, like we got to things we would have never done. Like he had radiation in St. Louis, so I got to f- go out there with him and um and have like a 3 hour meal share a bottle of wine um and just like and and I would see his soft side coming out like he would you know start tearing up and um just 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 sharing like how much he's grateful for all of us and um and um and just it was just and and, and how and and he's like you know your family all this stuff he was just his his softness came out towards the end of his life and so yeah. um so, uh, so yeah. And then I, I have to share this though. The place he, so he was a very, he was a very, um, rigid, like, uh, like he was working out guy. He was like six days a week. He was in better shape than I'll ever be in in my whole life. Um, and that was his thing. And he always ate right and all this stuff. And one of his things was he, he did not want anyone to come to the house. He didn't want to, um, I think there was just pride there. He didn't want to, he didn't want to be dependent on anyone. Well, the last, like, through two and a half to three months of his life, um, you know, hospice came in and this lady, Miss Shawanda, was this like angel. Right. Miss Shawanda was an African-American lady who drove like at least 45, 50 minutes to get to our house every morning. Mm-hmm. And she would it was so neat because like she would like massage them. She would clean them. She would bathe them. And it was just so neat. I felt like watching that was watching like the love of God. My dad surrendering to the love of God because oh, he was, he had this wall up and it was like, and, and I mean, he was emaciated. Like he could hardly, he, and he was, he was, he was ticked, right? Like all of his, what he had built up, you know, was, was, was crumbling and um, his health, everything, his, his, his body, everything. And um, he could hardly even walk at the end. He would have to wheelchair, you know, to the bed and um but like watching this lady just like just just watching God work through her um was incredible to watch and it was just like you could just see him just becoming more at peace um and like so that was a gift that was a huge gift um yeah. just watching that and then and then just you know so anyway so so i would say um awesome man like i if i can give what to my children what he gave to me with that example yeah. um gold and um i hope to be you know i ho- i i'm a little bit more sensitive right i'm a little bit more touchy feely so i'm trying mm-hmm. to give that to my kids as well but again like you know, trying to give them God's Father, the the love of God the Father through us, right?
0: Amen. Well, there's just two things. I mean, that consistency that your father obviously displayed, right? Because for you to see him on his knees um, in prayer, for you to see him go to Mass every single day, um, you know, of course, within reason, um, is such a beautiful testament and that consistency is something that we all men are, are called towards, right? For our rule of life. And so I really appreciate you sharing with that. And then I really love the, uh conversation about being able to receive charity, right? Sounds like that's what your your father had to work on. And it reminded me of a friend of my wife's who uh, is a paraplegic and in a wheelchair all the time. and he he um fought against God for for many, 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 many years, um that he was put into this situation. And through spiritual a spiritual director, he was able to realize that, by his state in life, he is able to receive charity from others and give people the opportunity to be charitable and um and in that such a, a great example that that um that you were able to share with us about your your father and, and being able to receive charity because i'm sure your father had uh had was able to give charity and was able to take care of his family and and things like yeah. that but actually receiving it, and like you said breaking down the walls uh to to understand that relationship with christ that he so desperately wants to have with each of us and as men it's something that we don't come by natural uh, naturally it's something that we have to work against so so, um, or work towards, um, but work against our own inclinations is what I meant. So, I think that's that's just incredible. I appreciate you sharing that about
1: oh, your father.
0: Oh, absolutely, there. my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. And so, um, you saw a lady praying the rosary. Was that your wife, or was that just a, a random lady? How did you meet your wife? I wanted to, <laughs> so, to bring that so, story full wow, circle. Okay, yeah. so
1: yeah, so so Jackie, Jackie was. Jackie was hands down the biggest gift that I've ever received from God, like, to this, I mean, to this, like, and I mean, it's, it's, she's been such a gift, like, I, we've been married now for 14 years. And it's still like, so clear as day. Like, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll share, I won't get too much into the weeds, but I'll share, you know, like, basically, um, I was pretty down. Like when I was, when I transferred over to North Carolina, I was in a pretty low, sp- pretty low spot. I got chewed out by one of the attendings. Like he was dropping F-bombs left and right and <laughs> in front of the entire like department, like based on like something he thought I had done. I was like, Oh, this is not. And I just like become a UNC resident. Right. So I was like not feeling pretty well. And, and I was like, again, I'm like, Lord, I'm not supposed to be a priest. I'm like, what is, you know, that was kind of my default, maybe like almost like my, my, like uh, my, my out to like difficult things. Right. Or so I, you know, not that the priest, yeah. but that was like how I kind of I, my brain went. And so, um, so anyway, so, so we, so I got set up with uh, Jackie's my wife, Jackie, she's from um, from Louisiana and our my godparents, da- uh, my godparents, daughter, married Jackie's cousin. So after Katrina, they had us living like, like get married, living in Lafayette, they had it all planned out for us. I was like, whoa, timeout. And so, um, so anyway, so I moved to Chapel Hill. And then Jackie and I started, uh, started um, communicating, like just mm-hmm. through email, right? I remember like waiting for those emails. And, and it was like, again, I was at a pretty low spot, like residency can kind of like, kick you in the gut yeah. and you're not feeling too good about yourself. And, um, and so, so I was just kind of like, I was, my emails were raw. I was like, you know, look, I'm just trying to get to heaven I, in all sincerity, like whatever that means. And so, and she was kind of at a spot where the distance between us was good. Um, cause she was still in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And so we started just kind of getting together. Um, and, uh, getting together long distance and um and you know I would go into Louisiana she would come to Chapel Hill and it was just kind of it was a it was it was those those hiatuses however were first they were like two months then they were like six weeks then they were like four weeks hmm. and it was like wow this is incredible right this is um this is incredible and so I ended up um I ended up you know Jackie Got an apartment in Chapel Hill, and we we were there for about five or six months, and then I was moving to Pittsburgh the following year. And I remember realizing, like, oh wait, she's not coming to Pittsburgh. She's not going to get an apartment in Pittsburgh. Like, I need to like do this or not, right? Yeah, so we ended no. up Yes, and so we ended up getting engaged, and um and uh, man, it was it was incredible. Like um like um you know uh, just a little, you know I I. I was just a little I said I wasn't getting into the weeds, but um mm-hmm. it's it's important to know. Like yeah. I was married, I was married prior. Okay. Okay. And um and for about two and a half years. Um I say that because my kids none of my kids know this yet. So they just won't be watching this podcast. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it doesn't 13 year olds are not our target audience, but uh it sounds good. Yeah. And so
1: but it's super important because it's like when I it just it it comes full circle, right? And and so it was like so so I was So I was going through that, you know, like a two and a half year thing. It was just an immature just for both of us. It was just we didn't know what we were doing. And there was a lot of arrogance at play. Like I I was like I needed to know what I was supposed to be doing and blah, 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 blah. So I I made some very poor decisions based on arrogance and what I thought I was supposed to be doing in my 20s or early 20s. I was like when I finished Jesuit high school in New Orleans, I was you know, I was, you know, felt like I was just like, things were so good and so clear. And then I felt like I had to keep things clear, almost to like, keep, keep that image of myself going, which was just nonsense, right? That was just complete arrogance and and just, just, just off the mark for sure. And so, so I made a decision, you know, and, 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 and got married and, and for both of us, it was just a just an unhealthy thing, right? Neither one of us were thriving by any yeah. means. Neither one of us were tr- completely free. And so um, so lo and behold, um went through that um and went through an annulment process. My brother who was super strong with me, he was like, dude, you need to go through the annulment, blah, 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 blah. So I went through that. And um, and that was uh, that was humbling, super humbling, right? Um, and um, I bet. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, and so I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm going through this process. Jackie and I aren't dating, but we are just kind of talking. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, I am like falling in love with this person. And I wasn't looking for this. And I, and like, literally, neither was she. And um, so the annulment thing came back and it said, you have been granted your annulment. However, you're not deemed competent to get married again into the church until deemed competent by a licensed professional. I was like, Perfect. All right. I can, can, you know, I can operate on your brain or close to your brain, but I can't get married again in the church. I was like, it was so good. And my, Mm. and, and it was, it was, it was such a good humble pie. And I love sharing this story. We were at at the time, I was kind of smoking cigarettes too. I was, sure. really, I was doing great, like right? a good ear, nose, and throat doctor, like a good ENT,
0: and yeah,
1: exactly. right? <laughs> and so, uh, and so, it was so funny, John. My grandmother was always loved to like boast about all of her grandkids and stuff. She had seven kids, so lots of grandkids. And so she's like, you know, we we're at we were at her house for Christmas Eve, and she and my brother sitting next to me. And she's like, you know, and all of our all of our marriages, everything. She's like, you know, there's been no divorces. And my brother Steve looks at me. He's like. Way to go, dude. And then she's like, and then she just, it was like, it was like God having fun with me. And she's like, and you know what else? And all of our family members, no one smokes. And she looked, and Stephen looks at me, and he's like, two for two, buddy, you're, you're rocking it. And so, and so anyway, so, so, um, so, so lo and behold, I, I'm, I'm talking with Jackie, the annulment goes through, I had to read Familiaris Consortio, which mm. is beautiful, one of St. John Paul II. I highly recommend it for anyone who's discerning marriage. It's spot on. And so I, I have to say that part of the story Please. because because by the time by the time I um, am engaged and and I had one of my friends who's a Jesuit priest to celebrate the marriage, he didn't know that I had to read Familiars Consortio. I you know and he didn't know, and so like his homily for our marriage was basically a cliff note version of Familiars Consortio. He had no idea, hmm. and it was like it was just it was so good. It was like, it was like, God was just like, it was just, it was, it was, it was incredible. It was just like, I was, I totally experienced his love and in Jackie, um, I definitely received that unconditional love that I think we all crave right from our, from our future spouse, um, or, or current spouse. And it was just, and I mean, it's just incredible. Like she's a gem, she's a gem Mm -hmm. and, and, um, And like, we just have a blast, you know, it's, it's, um, we don't try to take life too serious. She calls me out on on plenty of things and everyone that meets her loves her. And, um and she's just a light for like so many people. And so I'm, it's, it's, I'm still like humbled by like her
0: in my life. I'm grateful to hear that. So was it just by reading that, um, uh, letter that, uh, that you were able to familiarize consortio that you were able to then get approved. So, so then I had yeah. to
1: meet with a, I had to meet with a deacon who was a licensed yeah. counselor. So I met with him several times and, yeah. um, it was fantastic. Like, okay. I mean, super humbling, but at the same time it was like so rich. So now my wife and I do marriage prep and I joke because we have to give our story at the beginning of each and we've done maybe like eight or nine couples and I always like share my story and I was like yep you got the booby prize you got the guy that's already, <laughs> that's already been there done that and so uh, okay. uh, so yeah so um so uh, it was yeah so anyway
0: no i'm glad to hear that my uh experience was not that i w- we met with the deacon and my wife and i were unfortunately kind of teaching the deacon the teachings of the church and we would ask him questions about marriage and for her and I, it was a very much. He would always be like, "Yo, it's a really good question." Well, this is how my wife and I do it, and we're like, "Well, we're open with the church. Ter- <laughs> what does the church want us to do?" And my wife and I were both very formed and so very blessed. She has a degree in theology and marriage and family oh, studies, nice. and devout Catholic. So, um, nice. so wow, I'm just grateful to hear that. So, let's talk about you choosing ear, nose, and throat. Let's talk about this medical career, and sure. and you have brothers that are also doctors as yep. well, yes. and and so, uh, why? How did you choose your career path? There are likely listeners on the show that are are discerning uh that exact same thing and so i'd love to hear that from you
1: yeah i i wouldn't say that like i i i have the right answer but i i'll Mm. share like my dad was just kind of like he's like work hard you know um you know do your best and and he he used to tell people he sold pencils he was an office supplied person okay Um, and so he's like yep i sell pencils and so uh so there's three of us that went into medicine and one that's an attorney and, um, <laughs> and so it was kind of one of those things. Yeah, it was, he was, yeah, definitely. Um, yes. So he was very proud of that too. Uh, yeah. And, and so, uh, so yeah, so, you know, I, I knew I wanted to, I used to do a mushroom dish feed camp in high school, uh, like we would do it. It was a week long camp. Um, we did it for about 10 years and we did it as a service project. And I, I loved, I loved helping people. Um, ironically, I was terrible at biology and um, and so but I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go into medicine. Right. And um, and it's funny, John, because like I, I just went down that path and then I took off a year, taught high school at Jesuit for a year and then entered medical school. And it was never easy. Like it was yeah. never. I remember calling my dad first year, second year of med school. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> like, like, like he's like, just keep going. Just stay at it, stay at, it, stay at it. And so. And it's funny cuz there's been plenty of times I've doubted it. Um mm-hmm. and um and you know, and it's definitely not was definitely not like my natural gifts. Like like I said science was not my natural gift. So it was a struggle. And um and you know, and I would I I think what I would say is my entire you know, I, I mean, so I, I ENT was kind of a difficult residency to get into. And okay. by okay. no means was I like rocking it in medical school. So I started doing a lot of research, meeting a bunch of people. Um, I started just kind of hustling to get a spot in ENT. And thankfully, um, I matched with LSU in, in Louisiana. And what, it, what drew me to them was they were just good people. Like they were they were surgeons. They weren't arrogant. Um, they were down to earth. They, they seemed to like what they do. And I, I was drawn to that. They, they seem to be fairly well-balanced people. And so that was really what, what drew me to ENT. Um, and so um, I don't know if I'm really answering your question about discerning. No,
0: that's good. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so, and so it was like, so I, I did that and um, kind of had the imposter syndrome throughout residency because most mm-hmm. of these people were like top 10 in their class. You know, I was not like, I was like, you know, not. Top. I was not there. Right. And so, um, and so, so I kind of struggled with that a little bit and um, but I had some awesome mentors and um, people that were just kind of like, you know, that were kind of like, you're doing great. You're doing, you know what I mean? Just kind of like, cause you don't get a lot of pats on the back in residency. Whenever you make a mistake, you it's really highlighted, but you know, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing well, there's not a lot of accolades or a lot of pats mm. on the back. And so um, so anyway, so so went through that and then um, graduated from UNC um, and then did a couple of fellowships in ear surgery and sinus surgery. I had I did have some awesome mentors along the way that like one, uh, two of them. Uh, well, one in particular, my my sinus fellow fellowship doc would pray with his patients before every surgery. He would mm-hmm. offer it. And that was beautiful. Um, my sinus surgeon at UNC was a was a holy Christian man. And, um, and it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, you would start getting little bits of consolation, not so much from your um, colleagues, but from your patients. Um, And it was just kind of like, you know, it was kind of like, I'd have this conversation with a patient um, during residency or fellowship. And I was like, got it. Okay. And so, and honestly, that's translated through my career. Like, I can't say that, like, I'm not one of these persons that was like, yeah, I knew I wanted to be a doctor from the day mm-hmm. I woke up the day I was born. And, and I just went right after and it's been wonderful. And I love it. There are times I can't stand it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah.
1: And, and, um and it's been a struggle. And, you know, and it's and like, we're we take call every fourth week. And there's times when it's like, you're getting called at three o'clock in the morning, you're like, is there someone that needs me to them right now? They put a me to, you know, in their neck right now. And um, it's just, so it's definitely been, it's been a, it's been a struggle. And it's, and it's funny because it's like, it's and having my wife and having others, it's kind of like, but there's times when you're talking to a patient and, and they're like, you know, that they're receiving the love of God from you because mm. you're listening to them, you're hearing them out. Um, and you're just, and you're, I pray with my patients, I offer it to them. Um, you know, we'll be in clinic and you can just tell that there's a lot more to this situation than just bad sinuses or being busy. And, and so it's just like, so I'll, I'll kind of like take a step back and just say like, do you, do you, do you want to pray? Do you want to pray? And, Mm -hmm. um, and, um, it's amazing how, how the Lord uses that and uses me it's not necessarily like my sweet spot you know mm-hmm. it's it never has been but he's using me and and i think it's like it's definitely kept me humbled um i don't I, I i i don't walk around like i own this job by any means or you know what i mean or like but but i feel like he uses me um and it's a challenge because it's like i you know, I need to, I, he's always given me what I needed in my job, um, and surgery and everything. It's just kind of like, he's always been there. He's always faithful. Um, and so it's just kind of like, okay, it's taken me a long time to realize, all right, Lord, this is where I'm supposed to be, even though it's not comfortable. And I think that's, I think that's been the biggest thing I can share is that, um, God's will doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be comfortable, you Mm. know? And I think that, um, I think that um as you know I'm embarking on a I want a separate business thing um but I don't want to not do what I'm doing you know it's like I'm grateful um grateful for my patients grateful for my coworkers and um yeah so I hope that
0: it does, yeah. So before we jump on to faith and, and that interplay uh, on a deeper level, what's one of the uh, craziest things that you've had to remove from someone's ear?
1: <laughs> yeah, so quite a few. Um, we used to have a wall in residency. Um, what you remove from someone's throat and what you remove from the ear <laughs> nose. Okay. Oh, yeah, there was some crazy ones. Let me think. There was a, um, We roaches are like common now. I mean, that's not, that's pretty common. Um, and,
0: and, I mean, like common for you, but not for us commoners who are out here. So what we're hearing is that it's not uncommon for a roach to get stuck in someone's ear. 100%. Uh, 100%. We just lost half of our listeners. They're no longer listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was great.
1: I, yeah. I had I had a Spanish speaking patient in residency and um, I did. I knew like maybe 10 words, but I did know La, Cucara, La Cucaracha. And, and so like I pulled it out and they were like, and like his friends were there and they were like all cracking up, laughing. They were like, La Cucaracha. Gotcha. I was um, like, and it was, it was fantastic. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we get, uh, w- oh gosh, John, we all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I would say roaches are pretty roaches when they're like alive and they're kind of yeah. moving. That's kind of creepy. Right. And um, so, yeah, but we have all kinds of stuff. Like people, people put things in their ears. They shouldn't or their nose. Kids put a lot of things in their nose yes and so um but yeah it's good stuff it's good stuff so um
0: yeah it's and very good stuff. you you focus um so you're a surgeon right so you focus on um on both throat do you have a specialty within that or is it just really yeah. anything within your nose and throat
1: yeah so so i would say my the, the bulk of what i do i do thyroid surgery with my partner um Uh, I've got two incredible partners. And, um, and so, so we'll do thyroid surgery together for like thyroid nodules or thyroid cancer. Um, I do a lot of tubes, tonsils, adenoids. That's kind of like general ENT and then my specialty is sinus surgery. So, um, that was my mentor that I did a sinus fellowship with. He was awesome. Um, and, um, so he really taught me, you know, how to, how to be an expert in the sinuses. And so, um, I just had sinus surgery today. And so, uh, it's, Definitely, um, definitely like become my niche. And again, like God, like totally hooked me up with, with him as a, as a mentor. And um, so, yeah, so that's, that's what, that's my, that's my, and then I do a lot of vertigo. I see a lot of vertigo patients. People don't really like vertigo, but when I was in Pittsburgh doing an ear fellowship, I, I saw like 500 vertigo patients. So um, that's something I actually enjoy because I feel like that's not too many people know a lot about it. And um, we learned a lot in fellowship.
0: So when you said people don't like, I mean, obviously, vertigo, vertigo patients don't like it, but ear, nose and throat doctors don't like dealing with it. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the
1: most part. Yeah. It was kind of like, um, yeah. And I felt like I had such good training by, by the group in Pittsburgh. They were just, it was, um, yeah. So it's actually, I, I welcome it. Um, you know, and that's another, that's a pretty debilitating thing. Chronic sinuses are one thing you're feeling off all the time and feeling like, you you know, that's a that's a life-changing thing. And so hundred percent. And so, so just kind of walking with people, we have two balanced therapists where I work that are phenomenal. And so, um, so it's really good. Like, it's kind of like the first thing I tell the people, I was like, first of all, don't lose your hope. Like you're going to get better, you know, and it's just going to take a little while. And so yeah. it's, when they come in, they're pretty down on their luck for sure. I believe
0: it. Well, and I, Um, I don't know if I ever told you this or even listeners, but I had a brain encephalitis um, that put me into a coma when I was in college. Yeah, I got a, uh, a bug bite over in China and it put me into a coma. And when I came out of it, I lost my sense of smell. And when I laid down on my back, the room would spin for 15, 30 seconds because the calcium, you know, was, was loose. And so they put me in that chair that, you know, rotated me around in different positions multiple times until I got it. And I remember not being able to hear when I'm talking to people, not being able to smell things. Um, and it was, it was a, uh, a very taxing and and a time of suffering, you know, in my life. So I, I can sympathize with that. Totally,
1: totally, yeah. You, that's a. I mean, like, I've never experienced it, but I mean, you see the the helplessness of people when they're experiencing what you experience. That's rough.
0: Yeah. That's rough. Well, so let's talk a little bit about suffering. And the only reason I know is because in show prep, you said it's something that you're comfortable talking with. And, sure. and it was interesting sure. because you you brought up something here, um, you know, kind of uh, following God's will is what you said, right? And I'm really big. St. Alphonsus, Uniformity with God's Will. I, I love that book, that treatise, and I, I've read it so many times. And, um, you know, and I... Right when you said that, I immediately thought and quickly, you know, looked up of Luke nine. If a man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And it was in another conversation that I was reading with St. Alphonsus, where he talked about kind of what does it merit um, somebody just to um carry the cross right like christ actually tells us to take up our cross and and he said that it has to be you know very uh, act of our own will in uniformity with his because he is the way we have to follow him follow after him and um and that it sinners all have to endure crosses um or let's not just call we're all sinners but let's call non-catholics non-christians you know all everyone endures suffering sure. and so um but us as devout catholic men we have to learn how to not only embrace but also carry that and uh and it could be just daily annoyances and pains and frustrations, but I want to hear about suffering in your life. And I want to hear about things that you've had to learn. And maybe it's through your patience or it's through personal experience. I'm unaware. So
1: you got it. So, yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I, you know, my, my whole family I mentioned was well. my dad was big into working out, we were all big into working out. That was like our thing, you know, it was, it was, you know, that was, you know, I was a little obsessed with it for sure. And I um, remember when I first got married, my wife was like, "What are you doing? It's Saturday." And I was like, "Well, I'm working out. So that's what you do on Saturday, right?" So it was kind of like that was definitely a god for me, and health was a god for me. And like, um, I started getting into tennis. My wife was a big tennis player, and so I'm like working my working up the ranks. So I'm like, I'm going to be a four o tennis player. <laughs> this is awesome. And so, uh, and so. Um, that being said, God also gifted me with bow legs, right? So I'm okay. kind of like a little bow legged, right? And I was a soccer player and I was lifting a lot of weights. So I put on more weight and run around with those bow legs. And so the insides of my knees, right? Um, I, I had, I tore meniscus when I was like 30, um, wow. playing tennis. And then I had surgery on it. And literally, uh, maybe when I was like 33, 34, 33, 34, had surgery on it. And, um, and then literally a two years later, I'm start, my knee starting to give on me like mm-hmm. sharp pain and it's starting to give. And my orthopedic surgery friends who were not, who not known for their softness of words okay, were like, okay. dude, you're hosed. And they said other things, but you're basically hosed. And I was like, awesome. I'm like 35 and I'm hosed. And so like, like for knee surgeons, like you don't get a knee replacement until so you're like. 50 at the earliest yeah, exactly and so but i was looking into a knee surgery a, a knee replacement and i'm like i'm like i mean it was bad it was i would like i would like because we have this we have to stand up for doing thyroid surgeries and stuff yeah. like that and i remember like taking anti-inflammatories and like praying that I, it was so hard at praying lord you know, I just want to make it through this surgery. And so there was this big surgery that where they cut your bone, they straighten you out. And that would take the pressure off of the arthritis. So they literally almost cut your bone in half your tibia, they cut it through. And at the time, I was like, no way. And all my friends were like, no way, no way, no way. And so but I was fast forward, I'm 37, 38 at the time. And, um, and I'm like, I've got to do something. I couldn't stand up for more than like 30, 45 minutes at a at a at a at a you know, I was at my kids' fair and I had to go home. And it was just, it was, it was a it was low. And um was it I, one knee or both knees? It was one knee at the time. Yeah. Okay. So um and so, but I remember like it's like some of the the rubber really met the road. I remember like in all things give thanks because that's God's will for you. Oh, um he mm-hmm. sharpens those that he loves or he parents those that he loves i forget. I, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 butchering it but it was like these bible verses it was like the rubber was really meeting the road for the first time and i'm like i'm supposed to have joy through this wow mm-hmm. and so um and so anyway like i went all over like i went to chicago for an opinion and long story short i ended up we were on our knees my whole family in church uh and i had been back and forth with this, uh, surgeon out of Duke university. And, um, and she basically texted me, I'm happy to help you, blah, 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 blah. So I ended up having that surgery to, to cut my leg and lift me up. Okay. I had to be out of work for six weeks. Um, had to be, you know, and, um, it was, it was such a gift. It was such a gift. And, um,
0: could you and, see it as a gift at the time, or is this now in hindsight? In, in hindsight, but
1: by the time I had discerned to get it done, yeah. I was like, Lord, I am in your hands. Like, mm. I was like, He made it so clear that this is where I needed to be going um, and doing. And it was, it was, and I had had some affirmation from another, another surgeon in Chicago and that I mentioned. And so, anyway, it was like, okay, so. So that six weeks off was like a huge gift, you uh, know, like, I mean, wow, when am else, you know, I was thinking at the time, when else, when, when else am I going to have six weeks off, we had th- four kids at the time, um, my wife joked that she would have like me and the wheelchair and, and our baby and the stroller, you know, like a double stroller for me and so- he. And uh, and so uh and so, um, so, so that was, and then fast forward, I was doing so well two years later, John, that I'm playing soccer with my little girl and I tore my other one, right uh, cool. and, yeah, <laughs> and so, and so had three surgeries on that one. and um, wait, you had it,
0: three surgeries on that one.
1: So, so the first one I had a surgery, then the big one, then two years later I tore my other one and I've had three surgeries on my other one. So now, so, Oh yeah. And it doesn't stop there. So now it's, so that was tough. And again, um, so I, so I'm currently in the process of discerning what to do about this one. Do I do this again? Thankfully, I've got this great surgeon at Duke that I trust. Um, and, um, and then, uh, so get this so I'm so I'm 2 weeks ago I'm talking to her like a Zoom video like this and um Zoom appointment and I'm like okay I think not maybe not now but eventually I'll do this and um and I just kind of like you know you know dying to so many so many of the things that like I loved and like anyway mm-hmm. we'll get into that later but but so I'm sitting there and and um my back fr- freezes up sometimes and then anyway long story short I wake up the other day and um i've got right lower back pain shooting down my leg and my buddy's like yep you've got disc issues and my buddy's like yeah he did an extra he's like yeah you've got like moderate to severe you know arthritis in l5s1 and i was like okay (laughs) i'm like and 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 it's kind of one of those things it's like it's like wow i will say this like the lord's definitely i mean it's it's, it's hard, but it's, it literally is, it's becoming uh, clearer to me doesn't mean doesn't make it easy. But it's like, you know, I know how good God is. I know his mercy and his love will trump anything I could ever give to myself or anything even imaginable, right. So like, that's my foundation. And so it's like, okay, Lord, like, you know, he's definitely helped me It's helping me die to some of these things that i really thought i needed to be happy things i really thought um you know that were that were super important to be to have even joy um even like doing some, is, of the some examples of kids, yeah
0: okay you yeah. know like
1: you like even like doing like you know like like there's there's no tennis right there's there's uh there's like 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 going to the mountains with my kids like eh, probably not nice, um too. going to, like not that we're big disney fans but but like, that's wouldn't even be an option with dad, right? And so like, because of all the walking and stuff. And so, and even like working out, like I love to, I truly love it. It brings me joy. And I'm like, I was doing this. I like tweaked my back, like doing like old man swimming. I was like, you know what I'm like? I can't even do that, Lord, what's going on? <laughs> and so like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm literally like, it, and so, and so I, the, the thing that keeps coming up is surrender, yeah. right? Um, and, and the daily lifting up of the cross, because so often it's like, okay, Lord, you took care, you'll take care of this, you'll take care of this. And then like, I'll do what I want to do. Right. It's, it's, it's like, like, and then I'll, then, you know, and, and who knows what he's got in store for me, but like, but like, it's, it's totally chipping away at some of my preconceived notions and almost even like, I would even say some of even like he's parenting me it's the best way I can say it like he's yeah. he is parenting he's a good father and he and he's um you know he's just it's just it's been it's beautiful because I see how much how like again how much of a neophyte I am even with like yeah. that surrender and like being all in um and like no I don't just have my little bubble and like I take care of all this stuff and then I do my other stuff and my prayer and all everything it's like no like He's like really like helping me to like die to like everything but him. Mm-hmm. And um and so, so again, for your listeners, I I don't pretend this this is not easy, right? It's because it's I, you know, there's, you know, it's like I went to confession the other day and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of handling my cross as like a child,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> not in a good exactly. way, not childlike, yeah. but childish, right? And um, I'm 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 really struggling with this, right? And um, like like I wake up like it's like was that a nightmare? No, it's not a nightmare. That's that's your reality. Reality. (laughs) And I'm sure there's people listening like, dude, you're a pansy. I've got way worse than this, and you're whining about this. But it is what it is. I think he, you know, he 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 plucks away at those things, and um, he does. And it's beautiful. I mean, it it really is because like the priest I went to confession to yesterday, um, he's like, you know, he said. He said, um, you're solid like if you're, I mean, you've we've all heard this a million times, we're created to know love and serve him. Yes, if right. we're doing that, we're on solid ground mm-hmm. And that's it. That's it. like, and so it's just kind of like it's that surrender and just that love. and I feel like he's just even calling me to just that deeper unity and like, and so it's like it's painful, but it's like, I'm like, Lord, bring it on. You know what I mean? It's like, like I want to be more one with you. And so, um, so yeah. Well, that's
0: incredible. So, and I appreciate you sharing that uh, and your vulnerability and honesty with us, because that's so important for all of us to hear. So do you, um, I guess, what are are some of the things, uh, tangibly speaking, that you do to, you know, kind of keep your head up to avoid despair and discouragement? Uh, Because I know a lot of what you're saying resonates with me for sure. And, and I I did a talk two years ago about, um, you know, A gentleman suffers patiently, a gentleman suffers silently. And by silently, I meant like basically without whining and complaining. And I'm I basically put myself up on the wall and said, these are all things that you don't do that are very (laughs) ungentlemanly. And so I wrote a talk about how not not to do those things. But I'd love to hear from you what what you do to avoid uh, to to stay connected to, to Christ day in and day out. And because I know that I find Um, And I know a lot of listeners have stated that basically when it's just in the morning and that's all, it's not enough to maintain and sustain you throughout the day. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts. And
1: Yeah. And and I mean, and I preface this with, I am working on these things, right? This is what I do. These are, these are things I'm currently working on. So, so like, so um, one of the things that like, I'll I'll try to try to spend at least 30 or 40 minutes in prayer in the morning. And um, if I can get to adoration, that's, even better. Like I'll, and what I'll do like is, is I, I have a journal and, and I'll, I'll say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you I, either. I'm going to give you these things, like whatever I'm concerned about, whatever, whatever's on my heart. And, um, and, um, and I'll even like, I'll try to articulate it in my words just cause I, I, I love being real with him. Like that's been like a gift through of prayer, just being, being real with the Lord and um so i so i so i'll try to do that and i and i'll i'll, I'll do my readings for the day and then i'll journal or, or whatever and then um and then i'm like okay i've gotten everything off you know what's up you already know yeah. what's up but now i feel better cuz now i know you know you know what i mean you get yeah it. exactly and then um and then i'll sit with them um for 15 to 20 minutes and i'm just like lord i'm just i'm just going to be with you and um and then like like um saint therese you know would say i took a book a little page out of her book um is like i will try to hey if i can get to mass like if i can get to Mass during the day that's huge um like like i'll I'll, i can go sporadically throughout the week um and just like receive him like just like like i mean it's like okay you know because i i'll be honest like one of my prayers recently was lord you need to teach me how to suffer because I'm not a good sufferer. Like I, you need to teach me. And it's really like my prayer. Like, I don't, I want to suffer more like you. I'm terrible at it. And so, um, and so like, um, so I'll, 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 I will turn towards him throughout the day. um, And I've got a picture of him behind me that, you know, just to remind me and, um, and it's just kind of like, just a little looking up towards him, like shutting off my brain for a minute or two and just yeah, like yes. acknowledging him and acknowledge um, my love for him and um, my trust in him and um, and knowing that he's got me. And then yeah. and then like at the end of the day, um, you know, this is not easy with six kids, but um, I'll we have an adoration chapel close to our house. And if I can stop by there for a few minutes, I'll do that. Um, or after we put the kids to bed, like, like then again this is what i'm working on not good at yeah um put the phone down um and uh and you know and literally like even if my wife's in bed like like spend 10 or 15 minutes with him um and trying to um trying to do do an examination um or just and you know and just kind of like lord and but but really like just being with him because that's something i've learned john like like it's t- it took me over 30 over 40 years to like truly realize like how much god loves me and how much he loves each one of us and so like that was a result of spending two segments of time with him you know in adoration morning and afternoon just being with him and it was like and i i was i would i would tell people like yeah even if you were a schmuck the night before even if you were like Cursing, or like you made you belittled your kids, and you were a complete jerk. God still wants you to be with Him in adoration or in prayer. Like, it's like, don't hide from Him. Like, He wants you there. Give that to Him. Own it. Get to confession. But, but don't, but don't, you know, we're going to fall. Right. You know, and so, um, so I would say, like, like that reality of, of knowing His love for me has been a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was a, that's been a gift. That I would say, literally, I didn't. Re- I I wasn't even truly aware of until my early, like 40, forty, you know, forty-one years old. Because you know, I can get into it, but you know, we we live in a very, you know, we earn our worth society. Yes, that's right. And Merit, and mm-hmm. um, and it couldn't be further from the truth. And so, and so, it's like even within the Catholic world, you know, it's like we were doing all these ministries and all this stuff and and i was building my little world my bubble i was telling you about and um and my self-worth was all in that it was like no it's like and i feel like like experiencing his his sincere love it's been such a game changer because i trust in that like i believe in that and so um that's that's a foundation for me Hmm. um and that's what we're trying to that's i mean that's what we try to get do trying to impart on our kids you know, so yeah, Yeah. does that, does Um, that help? It does. Yeah.
0: You're in my prayers. I mean, I think that's really incredible and I think we all, and yeah, I mean, my oldest is 10 and I've got, um, I've got well, as you know, I've got twelve. I got five with me, seven already entrusted in the infinite love, and mercy of God, and, um, and it's tough. It's tough to uh, prioritize, make time uh, to uphold uh, not only the teachings of the church, but the devotions and practices that the church has given us, without it, yeah, falling into just this sort of, um, you know, checklist right because then we we turn away from that that relationship and that that deepening of our of our conversation with Christ that he so desperately wants to have with us so
1: 100% and i i think that's why like for me like like the whole being real with him and like being sincere with him like that's where it's like that's where it's been goal for me where it's like lord you know um you know it's it's when 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 you feel like you're being completely yourself with him um That's where it's like that, that to me is like such a gift, but it takes me to kind of coming down from like wherever I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Um, But then like, I feel like even if things are bad and I'm quote, and I'm suffering in whatever way, um, being able to connect with him gives me that confidence to be like, you've got me sustain me sustain, you know, you know, like, yeah, like I I have to go back to you numerous times a day, because I want to kind of go into my self pity mode or my you know fatalistic mode where you're like yeah. oh gosh you're hosed you've got what you've got you're gonna be you're gonna you know and you know there's nothing worse that people can tell someone that's struggling like oh you're so young it's like yeah no <laughs> kidding <laughs> thanks yeah i knew that yeah. I, you know and so it's so. um but but it's but it's one of those things where it's like like experiencing his tenderness experiencing his mercy knowing his love um it's like, all right, I, and then, and then again, like, I mean, like little gifts, like the priest yesterday. Yeah. If you're, if you, if you're seeking to know him, love him and serve him, then you're on solid ground. And like, that's a day-to-day thing. So it's so, it's so neat how like the more I've suffered, the more, the more crosses that are seem to come in, the more, like, I feel like I'm being guided on the path I need to be on. And, and, and less, and less stuck in my head, less kind of building up my, my little, like the person is with it today about like loading up your barns with riches, right? right? Mm-hmm. And um, and less like trying to like, like, you know, totally take care of myself and my family in this world. Not that that's bad, but you get it. Like you can yeah, be like overly seeking like security and comfort and, um, and having that stripped, not knowing if you're gonna be able to do your job, you know, it's just, it's mm. been a gift. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, um, so yeah, so thanks for letting
0: me. Oh, well, I'm so grateful there for you go. sharing that. Well, so as we're rounding up here at the end, I want to spend some time and talk about, uh, Compassio Medical, which is the new and exciting <laughs> endeavor that you're involved in. And I want to hear uh, just a couple of things, uh, for our listeners of, of what it is, why you're involved in it, um, and sure. how they can learn more about it or more about sure. you. Sure.
1: So, so, um, so being a specialist, uh, um, you know, over the past, however many years, 13 in practice and five in residency, you know, there's, there's a big disconnect between primary care and specialty care as there should be. But, but we, you know, we, we learned like cardiologists, you know, they spend X number of years just doing cardiology, orthopedics, they spend X number of years just doing orthopedics. And there, there is a gap between specialty world and primary care world, like ER, urgent care, primary care. And, And so often like things are misdiagnosed or things are, or, or like people will even kind of chuckle Oh, they should know, they don't know what they're doing or whatever. And so like the specialist, and so it's kind of like, so like I've, I've had nurse practitioners rotate through with me before and, um, and i love to teach and so so it's kind of like maybe i can start a company where we bridge that gap between specialist and primary care so that we can not to make them specialists but there's like there's pearls that we know that aren't hard to do or aren't hard to pick up if we just share with them they will all become better and then ultimately patients win because they don't have to make a trip to the ent or you know or or they you know the patient won't lose their hearing because they learned this Quirky little test I taught them. So what we did was we started a company, Compassio Medical Educations, Compassion Without the End. Um, so uh, so anyway, so, so, so it's, it's, it's online and it's basically course specialty courses for MPs and PAs and students as well. Um, so it's basically like me sharing my pearls. Um, we film with seven other nurse practitioners to make it interactive, to make it fun, to also bridge that gap. And bring unity um where sometimes unity is needed um and so um and so that they don't feel like they're on an island like mps and pas oftentimes yeah. they're they they may feel that way and so we're actually reaching out to them and so um so yeah so the first course is ent for C's for cmes and um and so it's been a gift like totally a gift um you know, you know, it's, it's, it. for us, it takes the mundane. It makes, it makes it fun. Um, whenever I ask a specialist, Hey, do you, when I tell them the concept, they're like, yes, yeah. like, absolutely. Um, you know? And, um, and again, it's not, it's not belittling people. It's just more so like, no, no, no. Like let's, 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 we're in this together. Share this
0: wisdom. yeah.
1: Let's share this wisdom and like, and I have a lot to learn from them as well. Um, so it's just, it's just healthy. It's good um we're doing cardiology next and we're going to launch a podcast soon um the to basically have a um a, a specialist and a NP or PA and basically just basically I think I think I'm going to call it the space between a friend gave me that idea Good. and Good. um and so uh and so but it's it's just it's fun like I had someone reach out to me as a plastic surgeon in Nebraska that I talked to this weekend and he's like, I had the same idea. And he's like, you know, I've been teaching PAs, blah, 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 blah. And so he's going to come on um, and, and come teach with us. And um, it's just good. It's just kind of sharing of knowledge, um, being real. And, um, you know, and ultimately the patients win. So I, it's, it's definitely been a gift. I, I, so far the Lord's blessing it. And, um, am you know, I'm realizing starting a business is not easy. And, yeah. uh, but, but, uh, but, um, but grateful, like super grateful and super grateful to your team helping me out and, yeah. and, uh, and everyone that's been a part of it. Like it's, it really has been a gift. So
0: Amen. Well, call out to all listeners. Please keep uh, Jeff in your prayers as he uh, goes forth in this endeavor and uh, for its success and its growth. And of course, it's uniformity with God's will. So, Jeff, Amen. I'm just so grateful for you joining me and spending yeah. this uh, hour with me. So thank you uh, uh, so much.
1: Thank you, pleasure, to, pleasure to be on. And thanks for, for having me.
0: So. I appreciate it. So for all of our listeners, remember, be a man, be a saint.